Thank you, Phil, for reading the last chapter of Daniel. It's been a long journey through Daniel. Starting in chapter one, the book opened with a description of a time and a place. It was in Babylon. It was a shocking time. Daniel and his three friends had been wrenched out of Jerusalem and Judea and escorted, kidnapped, taken against their will a long way to Babylon under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. They were young people, young men, forced to live in an era, in a time, in a culture under the rule of people they wouldn't have chosen to do. Their freedom was curtailed in many ways. The story of Daniel opens with them choosing, Daniel choosing to, res, um, to withhold or restrain from eating certain food types and to eat vegetables and, and uh, to be presented before the, the emperor. And it ends in chapter 12, as we've heard read, with this amazing vision that has culminated from chapter 7 in a series of visions and insight, revelation, apocalyptic revelation of what God is doing. Not just behind the scenes, but more in the overarching, in the big picture, when the veil is removed to see that God is in control. So much of, of Daniel is really a story about what he can control and what is out of control, or more specifically, out of his control. Obviously, back in chapter one, he was able, under the, the kind of the, the authority and the willingness of his guard, to, to abstain from certain foods and eat only a particular diet. The rest of his life was constrained and controlled. He was out of control, and yet he was able to, uh, to hold on to his faith, to live out his faith, to put that first as front and center, and it, and it led him down a route that would confront and challenge, and he would, and his friends, be persecuted, put under great pressure for that. But he lived his faith outwardly, even when everything else was out of control. There's been so many resonances in this book for us in many ways, under the title of the series, Courageous Living. Phil and I have never had to preach in a pandemic. We've never had to encourage the faithful through lockdown. We've never had, in our lifetime at least, in the West, in the United Kingdom, to have had to adapt so quickly and deal with so many challenges that are out of our control. And yet Daniel has had so many pieces of insight and wisdom and inspiration and help for us that we hope you have been able to grab hold of and hold on to and find that these things enable us to endure and remain faithful with our eyes looking up to the Lord. It's an amazing story, and we live in amazing times. I wonder when you have felt in control and out of control. 
We live in the West so many uh, days of our life with that sense of it's going okay, that we have a diary or organizer or calendar, maybe digitally or like Phil still in paper form, and that orders our life. It means that we can plan out what we want to do. We are in control of our diary. And then something happens that throws it out of kilter, and that can cause a little bit of kind of what's going on, a bit of stress. Are we in control or out of control? Sometimes people, uh, we, we like to think that, uh, you know, I remember once I was uh, catching a flight to somewhere and uh, I was driving to the airport and I'd left plenty of time. And uh, in the olden days, my grandfather used to say, oh, leave plenty of, you know, puncture time. And as a child, I never really understood that. But later on in life, I did because it's like that, that buffer time that if something goes wrong, then you're able to kind of have this bit of time that it's not all going to fall to pieces. But remember, driving uh, to Heathrow to catch this flight, and I'd left and I'd prepared, and I was, I was in control of my schedule, and I knew what time I need to be airport. The only problem was there were roadworks and an accident around the Oxford Bypass, the route there. And I ended up sitting for an hour and a half on uh, the, the A40 trying to get around Oxford and I, I started to get that ra- rising feeling of anxiety of I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to make it and there's nothing that I can do and I began to feel the adrenaline and the stress and the worry and the oh my goodness this is going to be expensive and, and how then am I going to sort it all out and what am I going to do and it's all going to be dreadful and I managed to get around Oxford and the M40 was busy and then the M25 and I remember arriving at the check-in gate with like two minutes before the check-in closed and I was like oh really uptight and I was like oh I hate this out of control. What causes turbulence in your life? See, Daniel helps remind us that sometimes we get the focus wrong. Sometimes the outside circumstances of life or the internal stuff that gets mixed up can convince us or get us to look aside from knowing actually who is in control, the Lord. It's so easy to see what's immediately in front of us and forget to have the long view. Forget to hold on to perspective. Forget actually some of the the amazingly profound deep truths of the scripture of what it is trying to tell us that God is in control, that he is on the throne. I came across this... uh, story that helped illustrate it. I was reading a while back. Uh, Sorry if this upsets you, but uh, we're not American. I was reading the autobiography of Bill Clinton after he left office after his eight years as president. And um, he says this, on my last night in the now barren Oval Office, I thought of the glass case I had kept on the coffee table between the two couches just a few feet away in the Oval Office. And in the glass case was a rock Neil Armstrong had taken off the moon in 1969. Bill Clinton reflects, he says, whenever arguments in the Oval Office heated up beyond reason, I would interrupt and say, you see that rock? It's 3.6 billion years old. We're all just passing through. Let's calm down and go back to work. He says, that moon rock gave me a whole different perspective on history 
and the proverbial long run. Our job is to live as well as we can and to help others to do the same. Whatever happens after that and how we are viewed by others is beyond our control. The river of time carries us all away. All we have is the moment. Whether I had made the most of mine was for others to judge. That's from the book My Life. For Daniel, with these dramatic and powerful and disturbing visions, one thing is clear. Even in the curiosity of the imagery and the pictures and the form of of this apocalyptic literature, it's really clear that Daniel is given insight because the times he was living in were dreadful. They were uncertain. They were climactic. They were were great upheavals. The tectonic plates of political life were shifting from the Babylonians to the Persians to the Medes to the Greeks to the Romans. And in it, little dear Israel, of the remnant of the tribe of Judah and the other 11 tribes, were kind of being tossed about like flotsam in in their land that they were promised. And all the vestiges of their national life of temple and kings had been stripped away and the people disbanded. And rather than being a blessing, they were, they were thinking, how is God at work? Has God been deposed? Is there a new God on the block? For Daniel, with the zoomed out perspective, and as chapter 12 concludes, he knows in the midst of the now, the Lord reigns. The Lord is controlled. Even if it seems that his life is he is powerless to, to change any of these great principalities and powers, he's learned to pray and trust that God is at work, but also to trust that God is the Lord of history. Entirely God is sovereign. As we hear reports and statistics and of coups around the world, and of the scarcity of vaccines. Sister and brother, friend, God is in control. It's not always easy. God is in control. Even when we feel powerless, he is. In Daniel chapter 2, this theme in verse 21 has already been expressed. He changes times and seasons. That's the Lord. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to wise, to the wise and knowledge, to the discerning. As empires rise and fall, the Lord is the ancient of days. God was in control in Daniel's time and is now. Again and again, we see through the story of the Old Testament and the New that this is an exact, this is consistently worked out. Again and again, God is faithful. God is good. That God is able to bring good out of bad. Even in the midst of catastrophe, wonderfully, He can work all things for good for those who love him. Especially how much more through Jesus. So Peter in in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, writes to the, uh, speaks, sorry, and is recorded in Acts chapter 2. 
a sermon, a first message of good news. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over by you, uh, to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You know the gospel stories, I, I hope so. And you know that that story running up to Easter was one of hope and excitement and expectancy. And yet Jesus kept saying, I must suffer and die. I must be handed over. And, it, and they couldn't see it. And they believed that Jesus was going to restore the promises of Abraham and restore the right rule of God and the kingdom of God to burst out and overthrow all those wicked people. And it took a turn for the dreadful because he was arrested and betrayed and tortured and killed. That we can enter into that those disciples' experience when we know when we're out of control, when that which we had longed for, that which we had put our hope in, that which we had assumed and expected to take place comes crashing to the ground and we think, where are you, God? Even Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? I'm crying out to you for help. We can't see that there's any good in this circumstance. As you look back in your life and remember those moments or maybe facing them right now, my God, where are you? I don't know what's happening as, as my family life is being torn apart because of the pressures that it's under. My health is struggling and I'm frightened to access medical care right now. Or you dare not look at the statement on the bank account because it's out of control. Or frightened even to go outside because fear has taken root, understandably, with our circumstances right now. Where are you, Lord? Peter, having gone through that valley of the shadow of death, could say with utter confidence, but God raised him from the dead. Whether it's the personal or the national or the international, whether it seems we're out of control in our personal life or that our control has been swept away and we're under lockdown and restriction and waiting. Coronavirus isn't in control. Debt isn't in control. Death isn't in control. Paul said, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Daniel 12 and the visions point Clearly, God is. Even when it seems the route isn't the one we'd prefer to take, Daniel knows. And I pray we would know too. 
in whatever and wherever and whenever God is. The Daniel 12 speaks of justice and righteousness. The wicked, the unrighteous, the ungodly, the evil, the merciless, the opponents of the Lord will get what they deserve. And yet the godly, those in Christ, those who persevere and remain faithful, will be honoured and given life. It's, it's a timely word. It's a timely reminder as, Babylon, as uh, Daniel saw the power of the emperors. As we observe those who are in control right now. It's not about conspiracy theories. It's not about secret plots. For the believer and the faithful to look up and know and trust. To see beyond the trappings of power, to see beyond the facade of those who would present to us to say, yeah, we've got this sorted. We know what we're doing. Follow us. To actually follow him who is and who was and who is to come. You see, the Persian king Xerxes in his throne room appeared on top of a massive throne. You had to get up to it by 20 large ivory steps. All the trappings of grandeur, all the vestige of power, those heralds around him would proclaim loudly whenever Xerxes encountered or someone would come into his presence, they would proclaim him to be the ruler of all the world, all the God of gods, the king of kings. It was all there to say Xerxes is in control. Xerxes will prevail. Xerxes to be obeyed. But it's all a sham. They may have power and influence and servants and, and those who do their bidding. And yes, that's a degree of power. But Daniel 12 says, who holds history in their hand? Or to Job, who, who is in the whirlwind? Who, who counts the snowflakes? Who knows where every creature is at any particular time? Or Isaiah, do you not know? Have you not heard? His understanding, no one can fathom. Almighty God has made us and called us. In our life, in chapter 12, as it concludes, it speaks of the end times, and they will draw to a close that which we know now. But we're looking forward to that day. as sure as we know today is real. That a day is coming when everything will be renewed. That the dwelling of God will be with humanity. That we will see the Lord of history and know how this works out. And there won't be a shadow of a doubt or the squeak of a criticism to say, I'd have done that differently. I want to 
close with just a thought and an encouragement and perhaps a prayer you might want to utter. While we deliberate, God reigns. When we decide wisely, God reigns. When we decide foolishly, God reigns. When we serve God in humble loyalty, God reigns. When we serve God self-assertively, God reigns. When we rebel and seek to withhold our service, God reigns. The Alpha and the Omega, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty, God reigns.